Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for forecasts, strategies, and intelligence on the commercial real estate market. And we have a lot of that for you today. We're going to talk to the National Association of Realtors about their commercial real estate outlook. Look, if you run a company or you run a business or you run you invest in real estate, you need to know what's happening with the economy, what the forecasts are, and what might lie ahead so you can make great decisions. Well, please welcome my guest, George Retu. He's Director of Quantitative and Commercial Research at the National Association of Realtors, and he's joining us on the phone today. George, thanks for being with us. Michael, thank you for the invitation. It's great to be with you. Well, honored to have you on the show, uh, George. And so let's start with the economy, right? So that's what everybody wants to know. Uh, what's ahead of us? What do you see, George? Well, I think that's a, that's a fair question, in part because what we're, we're seeing is, is, in a sense, a slowdown. And, I, and to put it in perspective, globally, uh, what we're experiencing are economies in a slowdown, both in, in Europe, the Eurozone, uh, as well as in Asia with, with Chinese growth um, slowing down, and also in South America where uh, in the wake of, of the Olympics this summer, Brazil is actually experiencing an economic recession. So within that framework, uh, the U.S. economy remains positive, but frankly, it, uh, it, it's been disappointing uh, so far uh, this year. Yeah, and part of that kind of is reflected in the GDP, right, in those numbers. Absolutely. In fact, the, the gross domestic product um, uh, has been quite modest, to, to put it in, in, in somewhat uh, in polite terms. Uh, the, the second quarter figure was 1.1% was, uh, annual growth, which, this being the second estimate of GDP, was actually a slight downgrade. And a, a huge chunk of that um, actually was driven by a, a bearish turn in the corporate outlook. In fact, uh, business uh, investments were were um, were down um, in large part um, due to uh, cut back in investments on equipment, commercial construction directly tied to commercial real estate, um, and so in that context, uh, obviously the corporate outlook played quite a, 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 a an important part. Um, the one silver lining to the GDP number in the economy to, uh, is consumer spending. In fact, consumers. Uh, while still uh, a bit mixed in terms of, of confidence, um, have been opening their wallets a little wider, uh, especially in the second quarter. Consumer spending was, was actually positive. It's the one thing that, in a sense, floated the, the GDP numbers. Uh, consumers spent more on uh, durable goods, on recreation equipment, on uh, automobiles, uh, as well as on uh, services. Uh, so I think that, in a sense, still... Um, uh, highlights the fact that uh, consumers, which make up about 70% of the, the U.S. GDP, continue to carry the economy forward. Right. That's kind of typical, I guess, for the United States, right? We're all big spenders. Right? <laughs> so what do, you, what do you see for consumer confidence? Where are we there? So in terms of, of consumer confidence, the, the results are, are a bit uh, mixed. So we have two main measures. One is the conference board's Consumer Confidence Index, the other one is the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment. And, and they've been the sort of going in, in either flat or in slight, slight movements in opposite directions. So when one goes up, the other one goes down. What that signals, in a sense, is that consumers still do not feel 
um, the, the recovery, which you think about it, 2009 was the end of the recession. We're now into the end of the second half of 2016. So we're seven years in the, into an economic recovery, which doesn't really feel like a full recovery for many consumers. And that pretty much shows in the consumer confidence numbers. The, the one area where consumers do feel a little better is, is, is in terms of, of employment and, and, and wages. And at least on that end, so far this year, we've had fairly solid numbers. So employment um, during the second quarter of the year for, for you know, private industries was, was up 405,000 net new jobs, which puts the first half of the year at roughly a million jobs, almost on par with last year. That, to me, is actually a positive thing because along with growth and employment, we're also seeing uh, advances, slight but advances in wages, roughly to the tune of 2% a year, which explains um, uh, a little more why consumers have been spending uh, and, in, in a sense, pushing the economy forward as they feel a little better off. In addition, I think it's also important to mention that for consumers, particularly those who participate in the real estate and financial markets, we've had a very strong wealth effect over the last roughly two to three years, in part because prices in, 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 in residential real estate markets have recovered and in some markets have accelerated quite strongly. In addition, financial markets have recovered quite well. This year's volatility notwithstanding, they've recovered quite well over the last seven years. So for those consumers who own a home, who um, are invested either directly or through their retirement accounts in the financial markets, um, they can look back at the last seven years and, and actually see quite a boost to their uh, wealth. So for those consumers, I think the, the recovery feels a little better, a little stronger, and, and, and generally they tend to spend a little more, which on, on the commercial real estate side is reflected very much in the retail sector when you look at at what we're terming nowadays the barbell effect, namely that we, we have two successful stories. One is the high-end stores, high-end retail, high street shopping. The other one is the discount stores. And so that pretty much reflects what's happening in uh, the U.S. with the consumer uh, base. So we have the high-end folks who are active in the markets who are benefiting, and at the lower end, obviously, uh, a slightly different story. Right, and it you know makes sense that uh, us Americans, right, <laughs> we feel good about spending money if our our home values is doing well, it's going up, and our stock market value is doing well. But it's not really money, right? It's it's more of what we're thinking, right? But but as far as employment, you know, what do you expect moving forward? You talked about some of the companies, uh, some of the um, industries out there, kind of lackluster about the growth in their spending. You know, what do you what do you see ahead of us for the job market and wage uh, levels? So that's a, a very good question, in part because in while in some industries, particularly um, service, uh, so business and professional services, they they have driven the recovery over the last few years. Um, they are continuing to grow, and we expect those to, to continue driving the employment uh, picture forward. Um, but in aggregate, overall, our forecast for, for the year is for uh, payroll employment uh, to advance at a very modest 1.6% this year and another 1.8% annual rate next year. And to put it in context, in 2014, the, the same 
uh, employment growth was 1.9 and last year 2.1. So if anything, we actually expect employment to, to be modest and uh, somewhat moderate in large part because, as I mentioned in my opening statements, uh, companies have um, uh, taken uh, the, the volatility in the markets, the global economic slowdown, um, have a very, um, uh, very, um, uh, how, how I put it, very strongly, and as a result, they are a little more cautious uh, on on um, on on hiring. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the good news is the unemployment rate remains fairly low; it's under five percent. Um, but to counterbalance that, I'll point out that the labor force participation rate also uh, remains quite low. And in in our report, we we touch upon that. Um, and basically pointing out that the labor force participation is at 62, uh, a little bit over 62 percent, which is not a level uh, we've seen since 1970s. I mean, the, the labor force participation was was quite low in the 1940s, then through the 60s, 70s, and 80s, as more women in the American labor entered the American uh, labor force, we saw that uh, rate uh, move up uh, roughly towards 70 percent. It's been declining, but obviously the, the recession accelerated that, and in the post-recession environment, we're still seeing that labor force participation quite uh, quite low, which is probably another reason why we're seeing a very modest economic recovery. And when you consider that with 62% of, of Americans in the labor force, you subtract another almost 5% unemployed and uh, add another roughly 5% of folks who are part-time for economic reasons, so we're looking at a labor force of roughly 50% um, that, that's actually pushing the economy forward. So almost in, in light of that, the economy is doing quite well, but clearly not up to, to its potential. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. And also I would think with the labor participation rates, you know, I guess you might not expect them to continue to to rise. Maybe they will go down as all these baby boomers started getting kind of toward retirement age, or I guess they... They hope they can retire. Well, we're going to take a short break. We're talking with George Ratu. He's Director of Quantitative and Commercial Research at the National Association of Realtors. And next, we'll have an outlook on the commercial real estate market, construction, and more right after this break. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today, we're covering the highlights of the National Association of Realtors Commercial Real Estate Outlook. My guest is George Ratu. He's Director of Quantitative and Commercial Research at the National Association of Realtors. And, George, before the break, we're talking about employment expectations. So as we're making uh, business decisions for our companies and maybe even uh, education and employment uh, decisions with our children or ourselves, you know, nice to know what industries do you expect the growth moving forward? That's a very good question, Michael. And I think it, it's worth pointing out that so far what we've seen drive growth in employment, especially in the post-recession economy, have been um, professional and business services, uh, education and health, as well as leisure and hospitality, particularly over the last two years. As I mentioned before the break, um, we've had the consumers who are active in the real estate and financial markets have, have 
benefited from the wealth effect. So as they've seen the value of their financial assets rise, the value of their real estate rise, they felt better uh, about their own position, so they were uh, more comfortable spending. So going forward, um, I expect that professional business services to continue growing. I expect education and especially the health component to continue growing as uh, the American population ages, as, as baby boomers uh, reluctantly uh, near uh, retirement. Um, um, But at the same time, in terms of education, what we're seeing is obviously that this year marked the first time that the millennial generation, so the the so-called Gen Y, um, in terms of size, overtake the baby boomer to become the largest component of of U.S. demographic. Um, uh, So as the millennial um, generation moves into its productive stages, it, uh, it forms families, it has its own children. We expect that to continue driving growth in education, uh, services education, higher education, uh, public education. So I expect uh, education employment to also be an area of growth. And in, in terms of, of um, leisure and hospitality, we've seen improvements in demand for travel. And uh, even at the modest economic growth space we've experienced, I expect that to continue driving uh, growth. In, in the, the hospitality industries. Well, that's good news. And you know, one of the things that's interesting about talking about commercial real estate on this show to our national audience is a lot of times we're talking about kind of the major markets and the larger buildings, but there's also some smaller buildings. And in your report here, uh, there's a statement that 80% of the buildings, commercial buildings in the U.S., are under 17,000 square feet. And I think a lot of people really realize that. Tell us, tell us about that and what that means for the industry, George. That's a very good good point, Michael, and, and I think it, it's, it's sometimes looking at the, the press, looking in the media, so much focus is on financial markets, on Wall Street, and a lot of the assets that generally um, end up in the paper on, in commercial real estate uh, investment circles tend to be Class A trophy properties in big cities. But the truth is, for most Americans, commercial real estate uh, very much is the um, uh, gas um, a station uh, down the street. It would be a, a strip center with a Dollar General, with a grocery store. So much smaller uh, commercial real estate. And, and it turns out that um, in terms of, of data, uh, some of the uh, the performance of this market tends to be obscured by the, the news of, of the higher end. And, 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 and it, it turns out that basically the two markets are performing a little bit differently, whereas the high end of the market has recovered quite well starting in 2010. Uh, the lower end of the market uh, trailed it by about three years based on a quarterly survey that we run of our commercial realtors. Um, what we've, we've learned over the, the past seven years is that smaller uh, markets, especially secondary tertiary markets, where a lot of these smaller buildings uh, reside, uh, took longer to go into the recession, but they also took longer to recover. So the recovery in terms of investment volume, in terms of prices, even in terms of fundamentals, vacancies and rent growth, lagged by about three years. So whereas we have investors right now very concerned about what they see as possibly the end of the cycle at the high end of the investment uh, um, curve, in the smaller markets, I think we still have plenty of runway left for for takeoff. And so in those markets, and I'll use the investment um, example, uh, we saw that, uh, based on data from some of the larger aggregators like Real Capital Analytics, the first half investment volume was down by double digits uh, on a year-over-year year basis. 
comparatively speaking, in smaller markets, so the secondary tertiary markets, we saw first quarter investment volume up 8.4% and second quarter also up over 8%. We're also seeing uh, pricing uh, trends diverge in, in the higher end. Pricing has actually slowed down significantly and down year over year. In smaller markets, uh, prices still uh, moved up in the first half of the year. And what we're also noticing is cap rate. Um, the cap rates have been moving in, in, in a convergent pattern in the sense that investors who are running out of returns in, in high-end markets are starting and actually have been looking over the last two years for the uh, higher yields in growing secondary markets. And when you look at what markets have grown the strongest year over year, you'll find markets like Denver, Las Vegas, uh, Fort Lauderdale, Broward County in Florida, markets which normally are not on the radar of major investors, and institutional private equity, or especially cross-border investors, yet they have come to the forefront because cap rates are comparatively higher, um, and those markets' uh, labor picture has been improving, their, their regional economies have been improving. So what we're seeing is, is a trend that started about two and a half years ago, namely the rise of the secondary tertiary markets. We're seeing that actually continue in the first half of this year, and I, my expectation is for that to remain a trend uh, into uh, the, the, the latter half of this year. And those markets, George, you mentioned, uh, sound like they're markets also where the residential market had done really poorly, right? Had really dropped. Um, and, you know, even the market I'm in in Atlanta was hit pretty severely, and we seem to be rebounding very strong now. So is there any potential for commercial real estate investors that go into those markets to potentially see a- another problem in the residential area? Well, I think that on the residential side, it uh, it very much is a market by market um, uh, case. It, it, as you mentioned, Atlanta certainly experienced, along with some of the uh, coastal markets like California, Nevada, Florida, experienced a significant drop during the the, the housing crash and and the recession. Um, of course, investors, uh, particularly in the Atlanta market, I think. Uh, moved in quite early and and contributed to its rebound. Um, my concern with with uh, the the residential side is mostly right now driven by the shortage in inventory, which has really more than anything driven up the the recent price increases. There is not enough product, and a lot of the product that's been built over the last few years has been high end luxury, um, uh, in mostly at uh, at. Uh, the higher end of the income spectrum, and a lot of times at um, uh, retiring or, or wealthy baby boomers. The trouble is we have an entire new segment, as I mentioned earlier, of younger buyers, millennials, who many of them are already now in their 30s. They are looking to, to buy a place, and uh, they are having a hard time, actually, especially first-time buyers, they're having a hard time entering the market because of the rapidly rising prices, uh, still uh, fairly tight underwriting standards in terms of, of, of loans. Um, so it, I, I do see that posing a problem, particularly for, as I mentioned, the first-time buyers over the next uh, few years. And, and in terms of supply, I'm not seeing any relief in, in the picture. All right. Well, be interesting to see what happens there. We're going to take a short break. We'll stay tuned. We'll have more on the National Association of Realtors Commercial Real Estate Outlook. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thank you. 
check out Valuate, a real estate analysis program that can be easily shared with colleagues online to do what-if analysis. Visit GetValuate.com. That's GetValuate.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today we're talking about the National Association of Realtors Outlook for Commercial Real Estate with George Ratu with NAR. And, and George, before the break, we were talking about you know, 80% of the buildings around the U.S. are under 17,000 square feet. You talked about some opportunities in tertiary markets and secondary markets where people are kind of going to for for more yield so what about the property sectors where are the property types that someone might want to look uh, in to invest in the u.s that's a, a, a good question michael and, and i think a lot of it has to do with um, uh, what we chatted a little bit about the bifurcated um, state of the economy namely we have uh, consumers who are participating in real estate and financial markets who have felt the recovery um, uh, more amply because their assets, their homes, their uh, stocks, 401ks have done well, have recovered. Uh, and then we have consumers who do not participate in those markets. They are renters, they are younger, um, younger professionals for whom the, the, most of their economic uh, wealth is derived by income. And that income, while it has been growing at a slightly better pace over the last two years, has been in a somewhat stagnating pattern for a long time. And so in terms of, of opportunities, right now I think the market is being becoming concentrated, similar to a barbell at the two ends of the spectrum, the high end and, of course, the lower end. And the high end, of, we, as I mentioned earlier, in terms of retail, the high-end shops, the, the, the large uh, Class A malls are doing quite well. The, the regional malls with, with uh, fewer or, or with Department stores as tenants have been suffering as a result because the the lower end of the market is is um, not um, quite as optimistic. However, where I see opportunity, uh, for example, for retail is in smaller spaces where um, companies like um, Aldi or Lidl, which are very well known in Europe, um, discount grocery stores, have been aggressively expanding into the U.S. because they recognize that opportunity. So I think. In the retail space for for secondary tertiary markets, I see demand for that rising. In addition, in the apartment sector, I see a lot of, and we've seen a lot of new development, focus on Class A luxury apartments, particularly in downtown cores in in gateway cities. The trouble is a lot of these, which, which are aimed for affluent, either affluent baby boomers or affluent millennial professionals, are in a sense running out of steam. There are only so many people to, to fill these apartments where I see uh, opportunity, and in a sense I've seen a lot of neglect over the last few years in terms of attention span on it, is Class B, Class C apartments, so mid-level, mid-income. I see, I see value play opportunities in that space, particularly in secondary markets, uh, because a lot of, of households, and when we look at household formation over the last seven years, most of the the gains in household formation have gone to renters. So I see rental demand continuing strongly into the next one to three years, Um, yet the construction has not been aimed at that class B, C space, or or I should say the mid-income. So I see a lot of opportunity uh, in that regard. And uh, on the office side, obviously, uh, a lot of the activity this year has been, in some markets, in the suburban Space, even in, in, in large uh, cities like Chicago, uh, where the O'Hare 
corridor, for example, has seen uh, a renaissance with demand for, for space um, going very strongly in tandem with, with the downtown, uh, for example, Chicago Loop, uh, also growing. So in that regard, I think there's, there's opportunity, as I said, in sort of the mid-income uh, spaces, which are likely to gain more prominence as we run out of steam at the top end. And you think those opportunities are more central business district or more kind of close and suburban? Well, I think that we'll see um, probably, and I think we're seeing that in large cities, but I think we'll see it even more pronounced in smaller cities, what I call sort of the um, urban uh, suburbs. And we're seeing that, what we're seeing is is a um, urbanization of suburban centers, and and it's shown up in some of the big cities, uh, which you've seen in New York, you've seen it here in Washington, uh, D.C. With, with places like Tyson's Corner, um, uh, even in Atlanta. I mean, Buckhead has already been a, a strong um, uh, economic center, but it, it, it's continuing to grow. So what we're seeing is smaller downtown cores in suburban settings. And I see that actually driving a lot of the growth over the next few years, which I think are putting the suburbs back on the map. We've had a lot of discussion about downtown rising, the central business district um, renaissance. But along with that, what we're also seeing is the cost of living in, in central business districts has, has gone solidly upward. Um, and that's pushing a lot of folks to the suburb, including millennials, who many people expected to all continue living in downtown. Right. As soon as millennials start a family, they have children, they're looking for public schools. What we're seeing in a lot of our, our data is they are moving to the suburbs uh, they are looking at uh, at homes. If they can buy them, they, they are actually renting them. So in a sense, I see a lot of potential for, for suburban growth. That's great. Well, we're going to take a short break. When we get back, we're talking about some cap rates and some other opportunities for investment. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. First Service Solutions, your CMBS borrower advocate. For requests, assumptions, consulting, and restructuring, Call First Service Solutions at 817-756-7227. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today we're talking with George Ratu. He is the Director of Quantitative and Commercial Research with NAR, and we're talking about the NAR, the National Association of Realtors, commercial real estate outlook. And George, I'd like to ask you about cap rates. You know, what are you seeing out there for cap rates and trends, of both of kind of in those major markets and then some of the smaller areas as well? Certainly. Well, I think the, the, the cap rates have very um, uh, strongly illustrated the solid demand we've seen for uh, commercial real estate, especially over the last uh, five to seven years. Uh, in the, the, the high markets, um, roughly cap rates have been uh, somewhat uh, flat over the last uh, couple of quarters. They're averaging a little under 7%, so 6.9%, 6.8% in the second quarter of this year. And I know for a lot of investors uh, and analysts, the question is, well, how low can cap rates go? Uh, and I think that that's fair. Uh, the demand from investors remains strong, particularly because we're in such a strange uh, interest rate environment. I mean, we, we have 
um, in the U.S., we're still in an unprecedented monetary policy. Yes, the Federal Reserve has bumped up the federal funds uh, target rate a quarter of um, a percentage, and we're anticipating possibly another uh, bump up this year. But we have places like uh, you know, the European Central Bank, which is engaged in, in further easing. They are now in, in negative territory. We are seeing um, um, corporations in Europe actually borrow money recently at negative interest rates. So for a lot of global investors, uh, the alternatives are, are um, a few for actual gains. So they're looking at commercial real estate as a very strong alternative. And the U.S. has, comparatively speaking, performed very well. In fact, cross-border capital for foreign investment into the U.S., has has increased uh, significantly uh, from roughly 10% uh, of total volume uh, a year to almost 20% this past year. And I think that shows very much in the cap rates we're seeing where central business district and apartments in the second quarter were tied at roughly 5.6%, uh, which tells you that if those are the averages, clearly we're, we're having cap rates even below that, you know, upper threes. By comparison, uh, smaller markets, secondary tertiary markets as, as um, measured in, in our quarterly uh, survey, they've been averaging 7.2% in second quarter and have, have also experienced uh, compression over the last few years. Generally, we've, we've noticed there's roughly 150 to 200 basis point difference between small market cap rates and large market cap rates. We've noticed that uh, difference compress over the last year. As, as I mentioned in our earlier uh, conversation, uh, that investors have found smaller markets very attractive and started putting a lot of money into those markets, the markets like Nashville, Jacksonville, uh, Indianapolis. So um, we're seeing uh, cap rates in those markets also uh, continue to compress. Of course, um, uh, apartments continue to, to, even in smaller markets, uh, register the smaller uh, cap rates followed by by offices. So in that regard, I think pricing, particularly for smaller uh, markets, has room to to continue growing as as investor demand remains uh, solid. And that's a pretty significant increase in in foreign investors in U.S. properties. Do you expect that to continue uh, and exert its pressure on cap rates and values? In a sense, yes. And, and what I mean by that, I revert back to, to what I mentioned in, in, in our uh, first few minutes um, uh, this morning, namely that looking globally, global economies are, are slowing. In some cases, they obviously are in, in recession, like uh, Brazil and South America, the countries in the Eurozone. So for a lot of investors, uh, whether it's sovereign wealth funds, whether it's uh, private equity, whether it's institutional investors, pension funds, um, they are looking for for returns, and since in in, in the bond markets uh, have been somewhat volatile, along with the equities, um, in traditional government uh, instruments there, there's not much return. Commercial real estate re- returns have been, um, comparatively speaking, uh, much much stronger. So I expect that demand to continue, and even at a moderate uh, rate of economic growth. Um, U.S. assets are likely to continue performing quite well. So with that demand, um, yes, I do see um, asset prices to continue, uh, at least, like I said, in the smaller market, to continue rising. What I see in, in, in the larger markets, obviously, we've had a slowdown in sales volume this year in Class A investment-grade properties. 
we are having moderation in, in prices, and we're having a breather even in, in, when you look at the cap rates. Um, however, in, given the lack of alternatives, I think that, uh, that there's still room to, to grow. And smaller markets, as I mentioned, didn't start recovering until 2013. So with that three-year lag, I see at least another two, two and a half years of, of growth potential. Okay. So you think there's growth potential in the smaller markets for uh, price appreciation, but in the gateway markets for the institutional quality assets, you think we're, we're kind of stable there or that there might be enough demand from foreign investors to even reduce uh, cap rates there possibly a little bit? Well, I think a lot remains or at least depends on the economic uh, performance uh, over the next year or two, in large part because when looking at fundamentals, what I'm seeing is positive net absorption. We, we're looking at office net absorption that's been positive now for at least the last um, four, four and a half years. It, it's driven down vacancy rates uh, towards 13% from, from a recession high over 18%. It's been the slowest recovery, actually, in, in office space. Uh, industrial uh, net absorption is, is very strong, especially as uh, demand outpaces supply by, by a wide margin. Um, and even retail has recovered with vacancies in the in the single digits, and apartment remains solid. So with payroll employment growing, even as modestly as I mentioned earlier, roughly 1.6% this year, I expect demand for for space and fundamentals overall to perform well. So the question here is: Are investors looking at the fundamentals, which are which are going to drive their decisions? Are they also taking into consideration uh, broader? Impact. So I think it depends on the type of investor. For global investors, obviously, financial markets uh, globally are, are driving their decision to to look to the U.S. For domestic investors, I think their time horizon and portfolio composition will will, will probably weigh more heavily towards the fundamentals. Yeah. But given that fundamentals, I expect to continue on an upward trend. I don't see uh, a strong decline in in prices. In fact, if anything. We may we may reach a, a, a sort of a, a leveling um, uh, in the next in the next year or two okay. with with the correction we're seeing right now. Um, so far, I know a lot of the analysts are concerned about the, the price bubble. Whereas at Class A trophy properties, perhaps there's there's we've reached the plateau. Uh, there's a lot of the market, as, as we mentioned, in the lower tier, which um, remains on the growth uh, trend. Okay. All right, we're going to take a short break here. When we get back, I'm going to ask George about interest rates, what he expects moving forward, and the impact on our economy and commercial real estate. Stay with us. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. What are you doing October 24th and 25th? Well, come see us at CCIM Thrive, the national CCIM event of the year. Covering hot topics like crowdfunding and big data, this is the one industry event you cannot miss. Visit CREshow.com and look for CCIM Thrive. Excelligen, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com.
Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today, we're talking commercial real estate outlook. We're looking at the NAR's outlook with George Retu with NAR. And George, everyone's curious about interest rates, you know, and, and when they're going to rise and how much and, and the impact on commercial real estate. What's your view? Well, I think you're absolutely right. In fact, uh, everybody in the financial market is, is keeping an eye on the Federal Reserve uh, decision. We have another meeting in uh, this month and then one in December. I think the anticipation based on the chairwoman's remarks, Janet Yellen's remarks, is that the economy looks strong and makes a, a strong case for, for a rate increase. I think we'll see possibly one more um, quarter percentage point increase this year. However, frankly, I think that in terms of, of investors, uh, most markets have capitalized already that increase so even if it happens, it might not have as big impact on financial markets, though I will admit that uh, December 2015, so last year's increase, caused quite a bit of volatility in, in January, February, in terms of financial market performance. Um, for commercial real estate, however, I, I, I tend to look more at the longer interest rate, since the Federal Funds um, is a short-term uh, rate. Looking at the longer term, and, and you know, the 10-year Treasury is generally being considered sort of the risk-free alternative, uh, the, uh, that rate has actually decreased. Uh, it's been hovering roughly around 2%. It's now below 2%, 1.6, range. So when we look at that and compare that with cap rates, we're seeing the spread between the 10-year Treasury and cap rates average roughly 450 basis points in high-end markets all the way to 500 basis points in smaller secondary tertiary markets. So it's obvious to me that for commercial real estate investors, um, uh, this remains a very compelling case. Um, uh, in addition, looking at the rates that, uh, that investors are getting from, from funding sources like banks, like the insurance companies, those rates are still fairly, uh, fairly low. So I think that even with, with the rate increase, another rate uh, increase this year from the Federal Reserve, we're not likely to see a huge bump in, in uh, long-term interest rates for commercial real estate uh, this year, possibly uh, a slight up, upside going into, into next year. Well, that's interesting. So if you looked ahead at 2016 and 2017, let's say we're, we're projecting out two years from now, and, and, we, and if we're hopeful the economy does well, you know, you got to expect the interest the Fed would raise their rate and that the, the long-term rates or the rates that we could finance real estate are going to rise, right? Uh, and what absolutely, would, and absolutely. In fact, our projection um, uh, is that the, the funds uh, rate will continue uh, rising and, and about 0.4% possibly by the, the end of, of this year. And to 0.9 uh, next year, which is likely to drive the 10-year uh, Treasury to uh, towards 2%. So we are certainly expecting a rising uh, interest rate environment. Uh, the only question is how quickly. And in terms of, uh, given the, the continuing high demand for, for, for properties from investors, um, how that's likely to impact the pricing. But as I mentioned, given the fairly broad spread between uh, the 10-year Treasury and the cap rates, even with, with the rise of, of 150 basis points, let's say, in the 10-year Treasury, we still have a, a pretty solid buffer for commercial investors. 
Yeah, that's interesting because from our investors, when they get we see they get a little tick in their cost of funds. We certainly hear about it when when we're selling them these properties. So we'll be interested to see and and George, great information from you. We really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, so thanks for being with us. Thank you, Michael. My my pleasure. And if you'd like to see a copy of the report, there'll be a link at commercialrealestateshow.com, and you can read the entire report. It is very interesting. And also, you may want to join the National Association of Realtors down in Orlando. Uh, they'll be down there in November. I'll be down there with them. And be sure to join us next week. We're going to talk about development. We're going to look at development intelligence, a forecast, and some strategies relating to development. And uh, until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions. Excelligent, building data everywhere. Valuate, online investment analysis. First Service Solutions, your CMBS borrower advocate. APTO, the CRM for commercial brokers. You're invited to contact these companies through the show website, CREshow.com.